Aaron Rodgers did not love that Jordan Love pick in the first round. James Harden is one of the most underappreciated scorers in NBA history. Well, Belichick said before or after the draft that you know, they were planning on taking the quarterback, but it never really came into fruition. I think that can't be true if you took a kicker in the fifth round. Tom Brady was a late round pick too, so you never know. This guy that they signed from Michigan State could turn out to be the next Tom Brady. And the same. Bills had a better draft than the Jets and the Giants, but we're done. No, no more. No more. Finito. I'm done. Finito. I'm done. No more NFL. Done. Welcome back to the latest edition of Ballaholics, the show for those who simply can't get enough of basketball. I'm your host, Sam Israel, joined by my other co-host, Ian Mills. We are back. Excited. We got a lot of things to talk about today. The NFL draft was last week. Once again, I just wanted to say that we are doing another episode right now just because we went live on YouTube for our second episode. However, once again, we faced some difficulties transferring to a podcast, so we are back we're refilming that episode so let's get started let's talk about the nfl draft so lots of winners lots of losers in this nfl draft ian we want to start with you who are your winners right now for the nfl draft winners honestly obviously bengals going burrow i mean they got their franchise quarterback at least for the time being um hopefully for the next years i think he's an incredible time talent uh behind that i mean you get a lot of steals late um, I think for the first round, most teams didn't really reach. Most teams took players that I kind of expected them to go there. Um, uh, to tell you the truth, I mean, winners uh, in the first round later, a lot of people have given Packers, you know, hate for picking Jordan Love. But I think Jordan Love, as I discussed earlier, is probably one of the best quarterbacks in this draft. If not, I think he's probably the third best behind Tua. Um that being said, you know, they could have potentially gone uh, receiver because, I mean, they're in the NFC Championship game last year. Maybe, you know, you upgrade and then hope to get to the Super Bowl next year. But, I mean, that team, they got smoked by the Niners in the NFC Championship. I don't necessarily think that they're, they're winners. I think Jordan Love is in a good situation uh, there because he'd be able he'd be able to sit behind, um, sit behind uh, Aaron Rodgers at least for a year or two. Um, but, yeah, the, the ones that confuse me in the first round really are just Justin Jefferson going to the Vikings at 22. That was the Bills pick that they traded uh, Stephon Diggs for. Uh, so, basically trading Stephon Diggs for Justin Jefferson, which is a very – I mean, receivers – you know, a, a chance for any receiver to be as good as Stephon Diggs that you pick in this draft is very low. Receivers often don't hit, and we, you know, this is seen in most drafts. I mean, usually there's about one or two guys that get that good, but um, to think that Justin Jefferson is that guy, not that I don't think he's a bad prospect, I think he's a fairly good prospect, but to think he's that he is that guy, I think the percentage that it actually does happen is fairly low. Um, and then I didn't love Chiefs going Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 32. Just felt like a bit of a reach. He wasn't the number one. He's probably the number three running back ranked in the draft. Um, I don't think he's a bad player, but I just think it's a bit of a reach for them. Uh, they, I think running back is something they could upgrade for sure. But, I mean, again, maybe trade down if you really care that much. Um, again, I mean, I understand why teams went to a Herbert, why Dolphins Chargers went to a Herbert. Uh, 
you know, in the second round, confusingly enough, also Packers going running back in the second round makes no sense to me. I mean, you have two very good running backs. doesn't really make sense. I agree, but I agree with that. In the second round, Jalen Hurts going to the Eagles. Uh, we discussed this a little bit. And, or, yeah, in the last show, we discussed this a little yep. bit. Yeah. But, so, the Eagles going quarterback, it feels to me that it just kind of, you know, their pick came and they didn't know who to pick. They Like, it feels like, it feels like their guy, I'm – I think they were probably eyeing Trevon Diggs, who was picked two two picks before, and just thought he would fall to them. And then when he didn't, they were like, "Well, we can't trade back now. What do we do?" And they just picked Jalen Hurts because they thought they were going to pick a quarterback in this draft, which is fine that they want to pick a quarterback. But Jalen Hurts at fifty three overall is a bit of a reach, I would say. I didn't have him as the fourth best ranked quarterback. Uh, most people didn't, um, and I do think you know he is get better than people give him credit for, but. To pick a quarterback in the second round is kind of weird when your roster isn't really that – I mean, it's it's like they had a few weaknesses and they – you know, receiver was a big one and defensive backs were a big one and they did get Darius Slay and they did dra- trade for Marquise Goodwin and draft Jalen Rager. But it feels like that's a bit of a reach there as well. I mean, there's a million other things I could talk about. Uh, <laughs> we talked about – we talked about in the show Jets – who I mean, Jets don't really have a wide receiver. I know they drafted Denzel Mims in the second – they don't really have a number one guy on receiver, but they do have, you know, they did upgrade offensive line. Uh, but yeah, you know, what says you, Sam? I guess we, you know, we spoke about Aaron Rodgers in the beginning. And for me, I can't help but just, you know, categorize Aaron Rodgers as a loser in the NFL draft. Aaron Rodgers did not love that Jordan Love pick in the first round because if you're a QB, if you're an NFL player, you want to win now. That's your mentality. And the fact of the matter is, the Packers chose the future over the present. They prioritized the future over the present with Jordan Love selection at QB. And if you look at the Packers history, they did this 15 years ago in 2005 when they had Brett Favre. They selected Aaron Rodgers to be his successor. And it was not like Aaron Rodgers immediately became the QB. He still had to, you know, for three years, he was still looking and basically getting mentored by, by the great Brett Favre. And I feel like the same thing is going to happen for Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. At least that's what Green Bay wants to happen. I'm still not sure because in my opinion, I think there's a good chance that Aaron Rodgers is going to want out now out of Green Bay. I really feel like this is the beginning of the end. It's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. Because if you're Aaron Rodgers, you want to win now. Your legacy is on the line and you are depending on Green Bay Bay to select a, a skilled wide receiver, a good playmaker for you to use because the past couple of years, you haven't really had any weapons by your side. You haven't really had too many players alongside you. So you were hoping that Green Bay was going to use that number, that first round pick to select a wide receiver or someone to surround you with. But instead, they chose someone talented. They just chose the talented person that happens to play Aaron Rodgers' position at QB. So I had to, I had to um, pencil in Aaron Rodgers as a loser. Um, I also want to talk about some winners I have. I can't help but say the New York Jets are a winner. And you know I'm from New York, so you know I'm, you know, I'm really happy about that. I think that Mikhail Becton is the real deal. I think the Jets were in desperate need of an O-line. If you look at the Jets roster and you look at Sam Darnold, who just got, dra- you know, got drafted a couple years ago, I mean, he was, running in the, you know, he was running in the pocket. He was struggling because of a lack of a you know, quality O-line. And I'm not saying the O-line's top tier now, but they took one step closer with Mikhail Becton. He's a ridiculous athlete. I mean, he's 6'7", 
364 pounds. He's a monster. And he can run. He ran a subpar of five minutes. He ran 510, 5.1 seconds at the NFL Draft Combine. I've never seen someone that big run so fast. I mean, he's ridiculously fast. Overall, I think his quickness and his power is going to be a huge asset for the Jets. He's going to be a great bodyguard for Sam Darnold. And let's not forget, not only for Sam Darnold, but he's going to be really helpful and beneficial for Le'Veon Bell, the running back of the New York Jets, because now he has someone in the O-line that can help him out. Yeah, well, with the Jets, I think just honestly their offseason in, in general was – it was subpar. Their draft was okay. I didn't mind their draft, but it's just like looking at the team overall, you sign a bunch of, you know, substandard offensive linemen. Uh, you don't really get any wide receivers. Um, and I know they drafted – they drafted a running back and a quarterback in this draft. And I don't mind drafting a quarterback because if – you know, it shows that maybe you should draft a quarterback every year. The Bills drafted a quarterback too. But going with the guy they did out of James Madison was kind of head-scratching for the Jets, but it is what it is. I mean, I just – I think I'm just disappointed with the Jets because of the fact that I feel like their offseason just really going out there and getting almost nobody uh, was the reason they had to go Mekhi Becton here. If they didn't go Mekhi Becton – Sam Darnold's head might be torn off next year. That's how bad that offensive line was last year. And they really didn't improve on it very much. Giving George Fant 10 mil a year um, for three years I, uh, is fairly questioning, uh, fair, fairly questionable. Um, and then Mekhi Becton, I do think he's a good prospect. And I do think he's you know, probably the second best offensive lineman in the draft. Um, it is kind of like, well, who's he going to – I mean, he really has nothing. Like, I, that, that offensive – Offense, then offense in general is just kind of, you know, one it offense. With the O line, though, you, you, you start yeah, but with you the O line, you build yeah. on the foundations, and then you, you, you work one, your way up. You have one offensive lineman, one receiver who was drafted in the second round, one like average tight end, and then everyone else is very below average. I mean, it's Le'Veon Bell is over the hill, but if you give him a good offensive line, he might be fine. But I mean, it's yeah, the whole thing is like. What makes me think about it? So I'm comparing. So him, I'm gonna. So the Bills and the and the Jets, right? This year they're both going into their quarterback's third year, and they both drafted a quarterback. So the Bills and the Jets, you know, Bills gave Josh Allen a better setup on offense, and they have a better defense. But I think the fact that the Jets have a worse defense and a worse just surroundings around him actually benefit him because if the Bills start losing this year, it'll the the, the blame will entirely go on Josh Allen's shoulders, and then Jake Fromm might come in. If the Jets, the Jets are expected to lose this year. If the Jets continue to lose, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold probably won't get blamed for it, and this guy out of James Madison probably won't, you know, actually get any playing time. So, I think it's kind of like, it's like your Sam Darnold's job is probably safe, um, but I don't think the Jets will get any better this year. Not much better than they than they were last year. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's going to be a gradual process. I mean, I was looking up a statistic, and apparently they haven't drafted someone in the O-line in the first round in 14 years since selecting yeah. the Brickshaw Ferguson. Yeah. So I think that this was ne- absolutely necessary. Um, yeah, I, I, don't another mind, winner. yeah sorry, I don't go mind, on. I don't, I don't mind the Kai Becking pick. I want to say I don't actually yeah. mind that pick. I just think the offseason in general is a bit questionable. I agree. And I also need to, of course, point to the Dallas Cowboys because I think Dak Prescott is a huge winner here. You know, if you look at all the speculation yeah. surrounding the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott, the contract negotiations, and 
it was looking like there were rumors circulating that they might select a QB in that first round to get rid of Dak Prescott because, as a result of all the contract disagreements they're having. But now instead they elected to you know, select Seti Lamb, the 17th overall pick, just adds another playmaker to that already stacked Dallas Cowboys offense. And now if you look at Dak Prescott, he doesn't really have any that much excuses now. I mean, he has one of the greatest running backs in the game and Ezekiel Elliott. He has a wide receiver core featuring Amari Cooper and now C.D. Lamb. He has one of the greatest O-lines in the NFL. I really believe that Dak Prescott has no excuse, and he must perform if he wants the money. But now the Dallas Cowboys gave Dak Prescott exactly what he needs to get the money. So I think that it's all the Dak Prescott now. The pressure's going to be on him, but I have to say that he's a winner here as a result of that. Oh, I also want to correct myself. So I said I said the Jets took the guy out of James Madison. The Cowboys took the guy out of James Madison, uh, the quarterback out of James Madison in the seventh round. The Jets took uh, James Morgan out of Florida, Florida International in the fourth, which um, is a reach. I mean, that's – yeah, that I felt it was a reach. But that's – okay, so that's what I was – I missed that – mixed that up. Um uh, yeah, I agree with the Cowboys. I, I think really they are a winner in this draft. I mean, you giving him first of all, same thing with the with the Broncos as well. Broncos giving all Drew Lock a bunch of weapons, um, uh, a bunch of Judy, weapons. right? They selected Judy, the wide receiver, in the first round. Yeah, they took Jerry Judy and then KJ Hamler in the second round. Uh, KJ Hamler, I thought was an incredible receiver at uh, Penn State. Um, so I like both of those picks, you know, loading up on offense with Cortland Sutton. It's going to be hard to defend that offense, especially with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon now. Um, offensive lineman, offensive line is somewhat questionable, but, you know, with that amount of talent, should be able to get stuff done. Um, so, yeah, same thing with the Cowboys Marcos. I think they're both winners just loading up on their quarterback because it is oh, – same thing with, the, you know, the Ravens too, drafting J.K. Dobbins. It's kind of like getting to a point where it's like, okay, are we just going to score 50 points a game? Is that the only way we can beat the Chiefs? That's a serious question. It's like the Chiefs score 50 points a game in the playoffs and everyone looks at it and they're like, okay, can the only way we really beat this team is if we outscore them because our defense can't do anything. You're not doing that. Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is you just can't too stop good, him. man. He's yeah, too you good. can't stop him. So I, I agree. It's like I think teams are teams might be, you know, looking at it too much where they're like, okay, we, you know, just not caring about defense at all. Like a couple of years ago, Everyone was hiring young head coaches because Sean McVay went to the Super Bowl, and now Sean McVay is on a team that isn't even expected to go 8-8 next year. So it's like, it's you know, maybe people are freaking out about it a little too much, but it is something where it's like, how are you going to stop that team? All you can do is just score more points than them, which most likely won't happen. Yeah, I agree with that. And just to go back to one more winner I have, of course, this goes without saying, the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, I know this is NFL, but – this is the NFL, but the Miami Dolphins, this was a layup for them selecting Tua. I know there was speculation about them possibly selecting Herbert over Tua, but I just think that um, Tua has too much potential. There's way too much upside on this kid. I understand the injury concerns. They're valid. However, you have to go with Tua here. There's just way too much upside for him, and I think that he's going to make an amazing um, NFL QB in the NFL. So I'm really excited for that Tua pick for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, very, very interesting uh, stat right now. I'll show you real quick. Uh, let me see if I'll pull it up real quick. It's not really that much of a stat. but So, AFC East. Bills, Jets, Dolphins all took quarterbacks. Bills and Jets already had a quarterback, but, you know. And technically so the Dolphins. But Tua is probably second best ranked quarterback in this draft. Uh, 
you know, Drake Fromm is probably about five or six, and James Morgan, you know, probably around there as well. Uh, Patriots didn't take a, a quarterback. Patriots are going to go with Jerry. They signed Siegel. someone, though. I, I think they, they actually signed, they signed, they signed someone. They signed someone out of Michigan State. They signed someone out of Michigan State. It's um, that Michigan love, man. It's a Michigan magic, man. They, they, took, they took a kicker like 10 spots ahead of Jake Fromm. Yeah. Very question. I saw that too. I was a little very surprised too. I'm not gonna lie. Also, that kicker apparently has some uh, very racy tattoos, so it's confusing taking a kicker in the fifth round who has possible character issues um, ahead of a quarterback, which is your you know definition of ne- uh, position need. So I think they're investing in Stidham, though. I think they really think that Stidham could be something special. And well, also, yeah. No, you can go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say also, they selected, you know, they didn't select in the draft, but they signed that guy from Michigan State. Let's not forget, Tom Brady was from the University of Michigan. So I, I do believe there might be a correlation there with that Michigan magic, as I'll call it. And whenever they draft, if they like sign someone, you know, in, you know, after the draft or they select someone, they select the QB in the sixth round or the fifth round, you got my attention because Tom Brady was a late round pick too. So you never know, this guy that they signed from Michigan State, could turn out to be the next Tom Brady. We never know. I don't know. I honestly think uh, the guy from Michigan State, if you look at his, his numbers, his uh, film, it's really hard to watch. I mean, the guy – Michigan State was a really bad football team last year. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. He, he has huge hands. I know that. He has huge hands, but he, he kind of makes a lot of bad decisions. But that being said, is uh, so Belichick said before – or after the draft that, you know, they were planning on taking a quarterback, but it never really came into fruition. I was like, that can't be true if you took a kicker in the fifth round. <laughs> Over there, so Jake Fromm, Jake Glutton, Cole McDonald, who I loved, Ben DiNucci, Tommy Stevens, and Nate Stanley went after the kicker. And you just, I mean, you didn't think any of those guys. And if, even if you did want to take a quarterback, and you, I don't know. It's questionable. They'll probably be fine because of the Patriots. And Jared Stidham is probably going to be, you know, a pro Bowl quarterback for the next 20 years for all we know. But – you know, it's again. I didn't love that, but it is what it is. I will say, Belichick had his all bamboozled with that kicker pick. No one saw it coming. I agree with that. Let's go on with you know. Let's move on from NFL. Let's get to the NBA. We discussed this in our live YouTube video a couple of days ago, but we're gonna revisit the NBA Finals in 2019. Kawhi Leonard Raptors against the Golden State Warriors. So here, here it is. And you ready for this? Here's the breakdown. I'm ready. I'm ready. So on me. obviously, as we know it. The Raptors defeated the Golden State Warriors in six games. However, in that wait, wait, game, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard, the only duo in NBA history in the uh, NBA 2000? I, I can't even finish. I can't even finish the topic because I know, like, you know, last time our in our last podcast, Ian kept ranting on about how Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard is the greatest duo of the last decade. We're not going to go there, okay, Ian? We're not I'm doing just asking. Again, are you okay? talking about that? You're okay. talking about We're that not doing it. We're not doing it. Are you talking about that series? Okay. Let's, Are you talking about that let's talk about the Raptors real quick. Real quick. Let me okay. get this All in. Right. Okay, so, go on, go on. Toronto Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors in six games, 2019 NBA Finals. What yep. we're saying is, here is the thing. Let's say Kevin Durant does not go and get that injury in game five. Let's say Klay Thompson doesn't get the Achilles injury in game six. No injuries at all. Who wins last year's finals? Is it the Golden State Warriors or is it Toronto Raptors? Ian, you could start. Uh, so first off, I'd say it's going to be closer than people think. I would still say Warriors in six in that series. Um, KD, when he's healthy, second best player in the world, maybe first. Uh, 
Clay Thompson, obviously, you know, we have seen that he can go off, and he was actually going off in that uh, game six, unfortunately, until he uh, was a tour of Achilles. Um, that team, the Toronto Raptors team, if you go back to the playoffs, uh, the series against the Philadelphia 76ers, they struggled against only one in seven uh, games. Or, yeah, only, yeah, it took them seven games to win that series. Um, and game seven was a buzzer beater that was maybe the luckiest shot I've ever seen. So they're struggling with teams that I consider not, you know, incredible. What's that look for? So, wait, I I just wanted to spell that rumor because I know I hear you bring this up on multiple occasions, that lucky shot that Kawhi Leonard hit game seven, which beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's not forget, if Kawhi Leonard misses that shot, it's not like Toronto goes home. They're still in overtime, and Kawhi yes, Leonard is a cold-blooded monster, one of the most clutchest players in NBA history. Max Kellerman says he's more clutch than Kobe Bryant. I don't buy that, but trust me, the Raptors are winning that game, whether Kawhi Leonard ices the game then or beats him in overtime. That's not entirely true. I mean, that's not like – that's not like a solid, like, 100% thing that, that, that if that game goes to overtime – the Raptors win. All right, go to your point. Go to your point. Go to your even, point. Okay, so basically what I'm saying is the Raptors are struggling with teams that uh, would get swept by the Warriors. So I wouldn't expect the Raptors to win this series. Um, again, the difference really being is the fact that K- or Kawhi didn't have to guard KD because he just wasn't playing. Um, and, you, you know, Draymond had to end up eventually guarding Kawhi in that series, well, uh, you know, at least a little bit. So it is – it is, you know, with him and Pascal, if you don't have KD there, it's hard to guard. It's, like, it's hard to guard both of them when you really don't have two bodies to do it. Uh, I know Andre Iguodala was on, uh, on that team, uh, but even him, for the most part, was, you know, at that point, relatively uh, uninspired play. Ian, re- repeat after me. Not Pascal, Pascal. Pascal I'm Siakam. saying Pascal. I am I saying, Pascal. <laughs> I'm saying Pascal Siakam. Uh, uh, so you're saying the Warriors or the Raptors? I'm saying Warriors and probably about six games. That's good because last podcast, you know, the last episode, I told you guys, Ian, you know, infamously said that Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam were the greatest duo of the last decade, which simply wasn't true. So I thought I was getting ready for him to say the Raptors. And if that was true, I was going to have to chug a whole thing of hand sanitizer. It would have gotten real chaotic here, man. As you could tell, I was being sarcastic with that one. Anyway, yeah, of course. listen to this. Ian, I want you to imagine this, okay? I'm so, listening. No injuries, okay? Steph Curry, before, this is before Kevin Durant even joins the Warriors, you know, in, 20, in 20, the 2016 offseason. Steph Curry was MVP 2015 and 2016. Then Kevin Durant was MVP in the 2014 season, okay? Then the next season after Steph Curry's last MVP is when Kevin Durant joins that 73-win team, okay? Once Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors, they were virtually unstoppable. And if you look at the 2017 NBA playoffs, they set a record for the best record in the NBA playoffs, only losing one game in 2017. They had 16-1. They lost one game. It was the very last game of the playoffs against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they also set a record for most consecutive games won in the playoffs at 15 games. This happened all in 2017. Then we go to 2018, okay, Ian? So in 2018, you look at the postseason once again. Without the Rockets series, again, 16-2 and in the NBA playoffs in 2018 if you don't take the Rockets series into consideration. They lost a game against the Pelicans, I believe, and the Spurs that year, I believe. And listen, 
if the Warriors, when the Warriors are all healthy, with Kevin Durant playing, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, they demolish any team because they're the best team ever assembled. They're one of the greatest teams ever assembled, okay? Here's the problem. When they acquired KD in 2016 offseason, they had to give up their bench depth. They gave up Marquise Spates, Barbosa, Festus Azili. They lost. They gave up David Lee. They gave off Harrison Barnes, okay? So you're not only replacing Kevin Durant with, you know, Harrison Barnes. When they lose KD in game five, they're replacing him virtually with Quinn Cook. Clay Thompson gets injured in game six. They replace him with John Livingston. So instead of your starting lineup being Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, you now boost a starting lineup of Steph Curry, Quinn Cook, and yes, Sean Livingston. So yes, those are obviously very two different teams. If Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors are going against that team with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, no way in no way do the Raptors win that game. I'm sorry, no way. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, that team was probably the best team assembled uh, just strictly from a talent perspective. And I know I'm saying that while the last dance is coming out right now, so, you know, that might be a hot take. But um, just from a talent perspective, you know, the, the top five guys were some of the best in the league. Um, that being said, though, if you're going to sign a guy like that, you have to live and die by it. So the fact that they signed KD, you know, and got rid of all their bench depth, they have to realize, all right, if this guy gets injured, we're kind of screwed here. They got no one. Um, it's not like they could right, exactly. So, they couldn't have went down. They, they, they had no one. Yeah, so I agree. It's, uh, you know, they lived and died by it. And unfortunately, I mean, they got a couple chips by it. And then at the end of the day, you know, unfortunately lost, uh, lost the last one. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think they would – Take that trade off a uh, hundred times out of a hundred. Um, the yeah, fact I agree. That, you know, so I mean, even yeah, even in that playoff series last year, not the playoff series, the entire playoffs, I believe, Kevin Durant was averaging thirty-two points a game with over a fifty percent field goal percentage. So he was very efficient, and he was a league leader in points that year in that in the playoffs last year. And if you look, go to, if you even go to Game Six, okay. So let's say Kevin Durant does get injured. I even think if Clay Thompson doesn't get injured in Game Six, the Warriors win because. Clay Thompson, game six, had 30 points. You know, we know how clutch Clay is because we saw what he did against OKC in 2016 when, you know, the Warriors were down 3-1 against OKC. And then they go to Chesapeake Bay. They go to Chesapeake Arena with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And who lights up? Not necessarily Steph Curry. Clay Thompson goes off that game. So Clay Thompson has that clutch gene. But now if you go back to last year's playoffs, that game, Clay Thompson had 30 points in game six. Um, Golden State Warriors were up 83-80. to 80. And then Clay Thompson goes down with that ACL injury. And then, of course, has, goes back, shoots those two free throws, and goes off like, some, like a boss. So even if Kevin Durant gets injured, if Clay Thompson doesn't get injured in game six, I still believe it's a series. I don't think it's far out of the realm of imagination to think that the Warriors can win that series, even without KD and Clay Thompson. Sam, I think uh, – so wait, you think, you think that – the Warriors without KD and Clay could have won that series. No, I, I, I sorry, I said so. Without Kevin KD, got just without game KD. Five. Game six, Clay Thompson was not injured yet. Okay. Uh, what I'm uh, saying is, if Clay Thompson was healthy in Game six, if he didn't, you know, tear his ACL, they could have won that series. They could have won that game, oh, okay. Game six, and then they win Game seven, I believe. Why? Well, I, I don't know what the score was when you went down. I'm... 83 to 80, they were up, and Clay Thompson oh, had okay. 30 points. So, 
So rough yeah, team. okay. Then they then they may very well may have won that series. I agree with you. The thing is, Sam, I don't think anyone's disagreeing with. So I think you only brought up this topic to give me, you know what, for the Pascal Siakam Kawhi Leonard take the head last week, just bathing me to see if I would go in on it even further, which I won't. <laughs> I won't. But you know, I think was that uh, close? Was that close? Did I almost get you? I almost did it just to make you mad. I was very close to being like, you know what? I just want to see Sam react. <sighs> You love getting me mad, Ian. I, you, I know that you – I know you're a huge Buffalo Bills fan, so I was ready for you in the NFL draft bringing up the Bills again, going – trying to, you know, slight the Jets and the Giants. I was ready for that. And then you try to bring up my Knicks in previous episodes. So, you know, you, know, you felt like you weren't really, you know, getting me that bad. So, this would have been the perfect opportunity to get me. Hey, just because you say it, low-key, Bills had one of the best drafts uh, anyone We're done could. with that segment, Ian. We're done with that I'm segment. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Bills had a better draft than the Jets and the Giants. but We're done. Really, no. Really no more. No more. Finito. I'm done. I'm done. No more NFL. Done. I think we should do more. All right. No more. No more, Ian. No Sam, more. Let me ask, Sam, let me ask you a question. Who is the most underrated player of this past decade? In the, the NBA. NBA. In the NBA. There we yeah. go. I, I like that segment way better. That was a great transition, too. You know, I give you props for that one, Ian. Beautiful. Uh, thank, you didn't have to bring up the bills for that one. Uh, well, um, I could. <laughs> so – Couple players who I have to shout out. I'm gonna shout out, of course, um, Chris. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna shout out Mike Conley because I think Mike Conley is one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA of the last decade. Never made an All Star game, which is crazy to me because he's been such, you know, such a play, such a great player for the Memphis Grizzlies in the past. Brought them the, you know, numerous playoffs. Led the team and just a great guy too. Great locker room guy. He's won multiple Sportsmanships of the Year awards and. Just a great guy. I think that he gets a little underrated in the NBA. I also need to point to Chris Bosh. I think Chris Bosh is a huge underrated player. Now, we all want to talk about how Ray Allen saved LeBron James's career. You know, see, we saved his legacy in game six in the 2013 NBA Finals against the San Antonio Spurs. Guess who got the rebound to dish it out to Ray Allen to hit that clutch shot to save LeBron's legacy? That was Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh was an amazing scorer. It was a very prolific scorer before he joined the Miami Heat. But once he joined the Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, Chris Bosh knew his role, and it wasn't necessarily to be the primary scorer of the team. It was So as a result, we saw a reduction in points, rebounds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, stats. However, we saw Chris Bosh's defense really vibrant on that Miami Heat team. He brought a lot of defensive intensity, and where they needed him, he executed. Um, let me get to my – my most underrated player, okay? I'm listening. So picture this scene, okay? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Imagine being a sixth man of the year and then becoming an MVP. Yeah. Okay? James Harden, when he got drafted, he was asked to become be on the bench for OKC. He was asked to be a sixth man, okay? He was a core part of that OKC team that played the Miami Heat in the 2012 NBA Finals. He averaged 16 points off the bench that year, won sixth man of the year, and was able to be, you know, have a tremendous impact despite Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook being on that team, who, who are huge alphas on that team. After that, he's sixth man of the year. He still gets underrated because you know why? OKC can, can give Harden the maximum deal, but instead they don't want to go over the luxury tax. Not to mention they all could have also got rid of Kendrick Perkins, but no. When, when faced with a choice to select either James Harden or Kendrick Perkins, OKC ultimately decides to keep Kendrick Perkins and lets James Harden go. We all know how that turned out, Ian. 
worst decision of their lives. His first season in Houston, Houston Rockets didn't make the playoffs the past three seasons. Then they get James Harden, and they made the playoffs every single year since today. Okay? James Harden went from averaging 16 points in 2013 to when he joined the Rockets, 26 points that season. Um, been to the playoffs every single year, as I said earlier. And James Harden has really been an MVP candidate every single year. It sucks because he's, he can never be the number one guy. It's always someone else in front of him. We look in, 20, in 2015, 2016, it was Steph Curry. We look in 2017, it was Russell Westbrook. 2018, 20, you know, 2018, they were finally the first seed in the Western Conference. James Harden, you know, putting up glamorous stats, he finally got the recognition he deserved. And then, of course, 2019, he got snubbed by Giannis Tentacupo. You know what pisses me off even more, Ian? Because when James Harden lost the award to Russell Westbrook in 2017, we said, oh, well, Russell Westbrook has better stats. He's averaging a triple-double. And then, of course, last season, when James Harden is putting up those glamouring stats, we say, oh, wait, Giannis Tentacupo has a better record. So we're flip-flopping on James Harden. And the reality of the situation is this, okay, Ian? People do not like James Harden because, oh, he goes to the free throw line. He's always at the free throw line. He shoots like 15 free throws a game. James Harden averaged a couple seasons ago, I think two seasons ago, 36 points, Ian, 36 points. That hasn't been done since Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Those are Michael Jordan numbers right there. I know we talked about the last dance earlier. Those are literally MJ numbers. James Harden is extremely underappreciated. James Harden is one of the most underappreciated scorers in NBA history. And I believe, even though he's an all-star plenty of years, he still doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He's hated by so many fans, unrightfully so, because he has that beautiful step back, which no one likes. Everyone saw it because no one in the NBA can replicate what he does, you know, the step back. It's James Harden's move. It's an art. It's a science. It's James Harden. It's what makes James Harden James Harden. I'm done talking. I'm done. I know I went on. James Harden's the most underrated player of the last decade. All right, let me, let me ask you a question real quick, Sam. Okay, so 24 points a game. Four rebounds, seven assists, and five All-Stars. Okay? 25 points a game, five rebounds, six assists, eight All-Stars, and an MVP. Who's the more underrated guy? How about the record? The re- well, the similar. Similar enough. Zero, both zero finals appearances uh, without the one that he was carried by KD and Russell Westbrook. And both zero finals appearances, both you know, winning not much. But, mind you, one has had better teammates in Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and uh, Dwight Howard. Um, All right, who are you talking I, about? Let's go. Let's hear it. Okay, so, so as you can tell, the MVP All-Star guy uh, is James Harden. The uh, first guy I was talking about who's averaging 24, 4, and 6.5 and uh, or 7 for his career is Damian Lillard out of Portland, uh, originally from Oakland, California. This guy is – I think it might just be because he's from Portland. It's because he's been putting up these consistently very good numbers his entire career, and just no one seems to really care. I mean, he's – He's been snubbed in the All-Star game a multitude of times. Um, the guy has really never been in the M- MVP conversation. Maybe it's because the you know Trailblazers uh, aren't ever like the one or two seed, but they have been pretty high up there before. 
Um, this year might have been the one year where he was probably the third best uh, guy in the league, or at least considered uh, considerable because he's averaging 29 points and eight assists. Um, he's never really – outside of the, the – was it one year, two years he had with LaMarcus Aldridge? And then, you know, C.J. McCollum, who's emerged the last two or three seasons. But even he, I mean, if you compare him, compare the Rockets, Eric Gordon has a similar uh, amount of talent to uh, Eric Gordon. Uh, no, Eric Gordon has a similar amount of talent to C.J. McCollum. Um, so just from, like, a comparison perspective, Harden's Hard, – I can't hear you, Sam. Don't disrespect T.J. McCollum. Eric Gordon? Don't disrespect Eric. Don't disrespect T.J. McCollum. Don't disrespect Eric Gordon. All-star. He's a star. Eric, Eric Gordon is a borderline all-star. Eric Gordon in the oh, past. No. Borderline oh, all-star. No. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm getting at is James Harden is James Harden has had slightly better stats, and he did have the one season where he averaged 36 points a game. Um, but to say that he is underrated when he hasn't won anything of substance – but has an MVP. Good. I no. This is good. This is good. He. Yeah, I mean, he I has knew you were gonna bring this up. You. I knew I'm you were gonna bring up. I'm saying compared. Compared to Damian. Compared to Damian, where they've had similar, similar. I mean, Isaac James Harden has had a little more playoff success, but he has had Mike D'Antoni as his freaking head coach with better teammates. Uh, to say that James Harden is more underrated than Damian Lillard, I just think is, I just don't think it's accurate. I agree that Damian Lillard is underrated. Great pick, Ian Mills. I, I like your pick. Oh, thank let you. Me, yeah, let me tell you this. I get it. The Portland Trailblazers, they made the conference finals last year. What did Damian Lillard do against Golden State Warriors' fully healthy roster in 2018, which had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, one of the greatest rosters to ever be assembled in NBA history? How many games did Damian Lillard get on them? Wait. Oh, yeah, last year. Wait. The Warriors didn't have KD in that series against the Portland Trailblazers, and then they beat them in four games? That was four games. Wait, how about 2018 when James Harden and CP3 took the Warriors the seven CP3. games, nearly, nearly eliminated them. They were a Chris Paul injury away from eliminating the Golden exactly. State Warriors, which they're known as being one of the greatest teams ever assembled. What did Damian Lillard do against that team? What happened? What happened? What? Let me ask you this real quick question, Sam. If if Chris Paul isn't in that series, Rockets get swept. Rockets get swept 100 times out of 100. And what did the Rockets do? What did the Rockets do? So that's uh, a slam, James Harden. I'm just Chris, saying, Chris if, Paul is the best if, player on that team. If, if, I'm not saying he's the best player on that team, but if 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 um, Damian Lillard had a player of that caliber like Chris Paul, maybe he's gonna win a game. You know, mind you, mind you, look at just the fact that in that series, the Rockets missed 27 straight three pointers, including a bunch from from James Harden. Um, that being said, is just like looking at, you know, Damian Lillard, you know, clutch shots exist. The Rockets Trailblazers series a couple years ago when the Trailblazers won in six on a Damian Lillard buzzer beater. You remember that? He's clutch. Dave, Lillard's very clutch. Yeah. I cannot refute that point. So, I mean, look, he, he just, a, just from a, like, you know, he has had much, he's had far less than, uh, just on it from a talent perspective, much less than James Harden on his team. And Terry Stotts, I don't think is necessarily a bad coach. I think he's okay. But he's not as good as Mike D'Antoni. Uh, and he's having, you know, running with similar enough stats, at least for a career perspective, to be getting, you know, maybe not an MVP, but more than five All-Stars. More than five All-Stars. Um, and he should be at least have been in MVP consideration um, in the past, uh, at least, you know, comparatively 
Um, with and, and the whole thing with James Harden being hated, I actually don't think he's as hated as he, as he is. If he's in the MVP oh, consideration, if, he, if he's in the MVP conversation every single year, which he is, he's really not nearly as hated as as. as but he never gets hated. it. That's the point because James Harden he always get gets it. the short end of the stick. If the he Golden State Warriors it. roster didn't exist in 2018, there is no doubt in my mind that the Houston Rockets win a title. James Harden won a title. Not and also in addition to the title in terms of winning, and James Harden. Could have been an MVP, arguably, for the past six seasons. He should have at least two MVPs. He had one in 2018, and he should have had another one. He should have had one last year against Giannis. That's two right there. And he could have even had one against Russell Westbrook in 2017. He could have three MVPs, but he doesn't have that because James Harden is constantly slept on, and he's very underappreciated. He always gets the short end of the stick. Six seasons, he could have won MVP. The past six seasons, he could have won MVP. The past six seasons, okay. Yes. I give you, I'll give you the thirty-six. I'll give you uh twenty seventeen. So that's sixteen is close, but other than that, I mean, I would give you the past three seasons. He's in conversation. Six seasons, I think, is a lot. I don't think that's necessary. Yes, that's the whole thing. You didn't even know that until I brought that up because he's so underrated. He's been in contention those past six seasons. And he's gonna, no, no, he should have been MVP last saying. year. He should have been MVP last year against Giannis because he is the offense. He was the offense of the Houston Rockets. You put James Harden on the worst team in the NBA, put him on the Knicks. The Knicks are a playoff team. Yes. Yeah, I think the same I brought thing. With, I think the same thing with Damian Lillard. You put Damian Lillard on the Knicks, the Knicks are a, play, a playoff team. Uh, you know, I think – I think the same thing with a lot of players that doesn't this, I mean, it doesn't the East is fairly weak, but six seasons, the last six seasons for James Harden, I just don't think is accurate. I don't think he's accurate. I'll give you that. I, I really do not think the last six seasons, the last three seasons, I'll give you last four. He's really been in contention. He's been in the conversation, but the fact is to say that he should have won it the last four years. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't. I didn't say he should No, I did not say he should have won it the past six years. But I'm saying he deserves serious, serious, serious consideration. And he definitely should – one MVP of James Harden, that's saying very little about James Harden's skills. I think that he is valued a lot more than just one MVP. That's what I'm saying. And he's also valued a lot more than zero NBA championships because if the 2017 Warriors – the 2018 Warriors didn't exist, the Houston Rockets were in line to win that title. Well, they choked with the three – with missing 27 three, straight threes. Which other team got even close to dethroning the Golden State Warriors in 2018? Well, the Cavs beat them. Well, I guess that was without Kevin Durant, without KD. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, they they beat. They were close to a to a one of the best teams ever, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they I, were yeah. a great. But to say, but to say that wasn't a team effort. It absolutely was a team effort. And I, like, if you take away Chris Paul, they're not getting close. If you take away Eric Gordon, they they're not going to win in six games. Oh, stop. Why are you hating you, you Eric, Eric Gordon so Eric Gordon, CJ McCollum's feel. I, I don't even want to hear that. I don't want uh, to hear that. All right, so I'll, I'll say this. Is I, I, do think, I do think James Harden is hated on a little bit too much by fans, but I don't think he's – I don't think he's – I, I don't think he's the most underrated player of the past decade. I think he's, he's probably underrated overall. You know, you've made good points about the fact that he could have won multiple MVPs, but yeah. – you know, 36 points a game is, is incredible. So I do think Damian Lillard's also an amazing pick. I think that's an amazing selection. He's definitely got snubbed out of plenty of all-star games. And people can constantly sleep on the Portland Trailblazers. And over and over again, Damian Lillard always proves his worth. 
as a top two point guard, arguably. He really made that argument. He defeated Russell Westbrook. I think he's better than Kyrie Irving. You know, besides Steph Curry, Damian Lillard is truly the closest thing to Steph Curry as a, as a result of his limitless range. Did we yeah. not see last year that game winner against OKC? And trust me, I was rooting for OKC because I like the Thunder, and I felt bad when Kevin Durant left the Thunder. But, man, Damian Lillard shot against Paul George, man. That was something special. And Lillard's had that clutch gene because even if you look in 20 – I forgot what year it was, but they were playing the Houston Rockets with James Harden and Dwight Howard. It was – you talked about it earlier when Lillard hit the shot yeah. um, with 0.8 seconds left. That was also an amazing clutch moment. So, Lillard definitely – he definitely gets his fair share of, you know, getting slept on. Um, they're both they're both very good selections, honestly. Right. Um, I would say that a couple more players, I just think of mine. I'm not going to do a whole spiel on them. I think that Luol Deng, I mean, when Derrick Rose got injured, I think Luol Deng for the Chicago Bulls was great. He was a two-time All-Star in 2012-2013. We all seem to forget about him. And I also want to say Brooke Lopez. He's been slept on. I mean, the Bucks signed him to a minimum contract after the season with the Lakers. And, you know, we, saw, we all knew how that turned out for the Milwaukee Bucks last season. So, Brooke Lopez, another underappreciated center, in my opinion. And then, of course, I would say I'm a Knicks fan. I think Carmelo Anthony, just because everyone I talk to says that Melo is overrated, yeah, that makes him underrated because Carmelo Anthony is one of the greatest scorers in the NBA. It sucks that he was in the same draft class as LeBron. He had to share the same draft as LeBron James. And – He's never going to live that down because you get that comparison. Because LeBron James is arguably like the, like the god of the NBA. So you're basically getting compared to God. So even if you're Carmelo Anthony, even if you're at his stature, there's no surpassing LeBron James or even being close to his level of greatness. So I feel like oh, yeah. Carmelo separate from that. I, I, I see it. I do definitely agree with uh, Carmelo Anthony. A guy who I've seen get underrated uh, and again, maybe it's not so much because he was kind of in the spotlight. I think Andre Iguodala only made an All-Star game once. Uh, he only made an All-Star game once in his career, but he is he has been definitely way better than that. That's a good uh, one, too. As we saw in the finals MVP. Again, I mean, he was probably better in the 2000s than he was in the 2010s, um, which is probably the case with Chris Bosh as well. But, uh, you know, still I would say extremely, extremely underrated. Um, yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I think Melo is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm not just saying that because I'm a biased Knicks fan. I truly do believe so. Kobe Bryant actually said that Carmelo Anthony was amongst the players hardest to guard. So I definitely think that Carmelo Anthony is an underrated player. Anyway, I'm glad that you guys all tuned in for our episode on our podcast. Um, once again, if you haven't already, please show some love to our Ballaholics Instagram, Ballaholics underscore BTV6. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Once again, you have any inquiries, any topics you want to talk about, you know, feel free to reach out to me and Ian. Um, our emails are on Spotify. You can see it in the bio. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to let you guys know when we go live on YouTube once again. And this time we're going to make sure to have live callers on the show so you guys can voice your opinions. We think we figured that out. So we think we're going to do that through Zoom. So thank you guys for watching. All right. Thanks, guys.